Como vai? And welcome to the episode, I can't remember, of the Super P Podcast. It is I, Polo Parata. Um, another day, another podcast. Just came from Fashion Week. Um, I was having a good old time at Fashion Week with the three shows. Um, a lot of shallow people there, as always. Um, a lot of fashion I don't see, won't see nobody wearing. Josh is back. You know, Josh hasn't been here. He's been on vacation doing a whole lot of who knows. But, uh, yeah, we... We we have a special guest here. Um, I've known this young lady for a long time. Well, not a long time, but I met her through uh, Danny Cortez, the person I, I do managerial duties with. Um, she has sort of like the aesthetic that Danny has with graffiti and stuff. We have some of the stuff on the on the walls. She's going to explain it. Miss Valerie Larco is here. How Thanks you doing? for inviting me. Thanks I'm for so coming, happy Valerie. To be here. Let me tell you something. It gets and Josh too. I'm talking to everybody in the room. It gets harder and harder to get guests for podcasts now. I don't know what happened. People don't really? like podcasts no more. So thank you for coming. Well, I you love know? podcasts. <laughs> and I am an NPR sustaining member. There you go. And they have plenty of podcasts. So, so it's all good. <laughs> so, so, yeah. So tell us about your art. Tell us, you know, sure. what's going on. All right. Well, I've been painting urban landscapes on location since the late 80s when I moved to Jersey City, New Jersey, right out of art school. Mm-hmm. I moved in with a dude. He is no longer in my life. That dude. But the love of the urban environment right. stuck with me. Mm-hmm. When I moved to Jersey City in 1986, I'm like, what am I going to paint here? Mm-hmm. I'd been out of art school not that long, but I'm like, okay, I like to paint on location. Mm-hmm. So I started going out in the industrial parks around Jersey City and just painting setting up a French easel and painting on site. Mm -hmm. And uh, I did that for a while, and I was like, this is fun. And my early work, like I said, was mostly industrial and then overviews of the city from the local park. And then I went into the industrial parks. Jersey City is surrounded by industrial parks and bridges like the Pulaski Skyway. So I started going in and exploring these places Mm -hmm. and then setting up my easel and painting. I started small, and then eventually I started painting as large as I could fit in the back of my car, a.k.a. my mobile paint mobile. <laughs> and so that was in the mid-'80s. And then in um, towards 1990, I guess the end of 1989, I moved to Summit, New Jersey. I rented a house. I had a couple of dogs. I rented a house with a friend from art school, and I kept the dogs. I do. I'm a big animal lover. Anyway, and uh, adopt, don't shop. I totally rescue my pups. I got a really cute red-nosed pit bull right now, but we get into that later. Anyway, so I started um, painting in these uh, weird places that most people didn't hang out in, but I was really interested in the sculptural qualities of the tanks and the industrial scene, and then I started painting bridges, the Pulaski Skyway, I've painted it multiple times, and other things, and highways, and I just was interested in urban water views. I was interested in all kinds of things that really surround the city, mm-hmm. but most people don't take a second look at. Right. And for me, it's experiencing the place in person is important. I prefer to work on location rather than from a photograph in the studio. And that's sort of a consistent thing. Even when I went to art school, I went to school to be a figure painter. I thought I was going to paint people. But then you get out of art school, nobody wants to pose. And so I quickly thought, I got to figure something else out here. So you were were like in the room, like the guy was like, 
just is sculpturing his body and stuff like that. No, I'm painting. Yeah, I was painting yeah. nudes, mostly nudes at the Art Students League oh, and the see? National Academy of Design. And before that, I graduated from a little known school in Plainfield, New Jersey, called Ducray School of the mm-hmm. Arts. And uh, the one consistent thing is I always liked working from life rather than from photographs. Having said that, if I need a photograph, I'll use it. If there's trucks or cars on the highway right. and they ain't going to stay still, I'll take a snapshot. You know, phones are so good for that. Right. And throw it in. A lot of times I'll even paint, park my own car mm-hmm. in a scene because I can keep putting it back in the so, scene. So <laughs> let me ask you a question. So how many times you your car is in your paintings? At least a dozen. Jeez Louise. I've painted hundreds, hundreds of yeah. paintings. And, 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 and you probably have some... some some really like throwback Jersey scenes because you started for, from so long. Yes. So you I, probably got stuff that's not even, probably not even there no more. Well, you know, going, going, gone. Yeah. If I've painted it, it's a good chance it yeah. don't exist yeah. anymore. No, but that's awesome though. <laughs> so I am a little bit of a documentarian, a little bit of an urban explorer. I actually love the built world. Mm-hmm. And I also like the way the built world interacts with the natural world. You know, we think we build things and it's there forever. Not true. Right. It's the nature of civilization that yeah. we build, we destroy, and we rebuild. Right. And we're always going to do that. Today's, you know, modern high rises are tomorrow's ruins, mm-hmm. you know, may take a century or more, but it's true. So what I'm sort of interested in doing in all of my work, my early work up to what I do right now, um, is capturing places that will no longer be there mm-hmm. on their way out that talk about the cultural history of society. Mm -hmm. And that's something that's just been consistent in everything. Because even with the graffiti, like probably stuff you've painted, it's probably gone, probably they went over it. So it's like you like you have like dated stuff, which is awesome. I do. I have a time capsule. What yeah, somebody no, said about some recent, uh, I had posted some older work on on so- social media, and somebody said, "Wow, this is a time capsule." It's like it's true. Right. And just a little thing about how the graffiti got into yeah, my yeah, work yeah, yeah. because, yeah. Uh, and that's one thing I love about Danny. Uh, Danny's work too. What happened is when I painted in New Jersey for over 20 years, mm-hmm. well, close to 20 years, let's say, because now I've been in uh, painting in the Bronx for almost 20 years. Right. So let's say a little less than 20 years. Uh, there was hardly any graffiti. I was painting in industrial parks, urban water scenes, and there was only graffiti in maybe a couple of these paintings, a little bit. I got one really funny story. I'll tell you a funny story. And this is why I paint on location, because I love meeting people and hearing their stories. So I'm painting in Jersey City. It might have been on the Kearney Kearney border, but I think it was Jersey City. Yeah, it was definitely Jersey City. And I'm just, I'm painting this commuter bridge, and there's some little stone uh, things in the foreground to keep people from driving into the, I think it was the Hackensack River. You don't want them going off, especially at night when people go down there to party. So I'm just, it's like, I don't know, a Tuesday at like 10 a.m., and I'm out there painting. And I see this car come up with a bunch of young guys in it, and they pull around, and then they come over to me. And the one guy goes, wow, you're painting this scene. I said, yeah, he goes, you, you got my tag in it. 
I said, oh, cool. And then he hands, tries to hand me a giant can of beer at like 10 a.m. He goes, you want a beer? Oh, my god. And gosh. I go, no, that's okay, but thank you. And then I go, so which one is your tag? There were only a couple. He goes, I'm lazy. And I just laughed my head off. It's like, it seems appropriate. Because right. quite frankly, I thought this young man should have been in school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, he looked like he was probably still in high school. You know, mm-hmm. And I just laughed and it was funny. And he was just so thrilled mm-hmm. that his tag was going to be in a painting. But that's one of the few times that there was any graffiti in my earlier work. Right. So then, um, because then after that scene, a lot of bridges and stuff, I also spent about six years painting in an active salvage yard in Hackettstown, New Jersey. Someone had seen my work in an exhibition and said, there's this active salvage yard with all kinds of cool stuff in it. He had seen my tank paintings, my industrial stuff. He said, you'd love it. So he said, come out here and meet me here. And I did. And he introduced me to the owners. And I said, would you mind if I painted? And they said, no, you can set up. We don't care. I wound up spending almost six years painting there, painting all of this crushed stuff that we throw out. You know, we have a very disposable society. Mm-hmm. And let's face it, many societies have been at the end of the day. There's yeah. always been those ash heaps of history. <laughs> anyway, this is one of ours. And what was interesting, back then, the uh, appliances that were in the salvage yard that were getting thrown out and going to be recycled, a lot of it was going to be recycled for scrap metal, they were avocado. They were harvest gold. They were white. You know, now I think if I went back there almost 20 years later, or it's approximately 20 years later, yeah, that it would be all silver and stainless, you know, appliances. Things have changed. So in a way, that's a time capsule, too, of what we throw out. So right as I was finishing up that series in 2003, I moved in 2004 to um, New Rochelle, New York, and then I started painting in the Bronx. The Bronx is exactly eight minutes from where I live, uh, right up the main drive there, and then I'm in the North Bronx. And I'm like, because when I first moved to New Rochelle, I'm like, what am I going to paint here? Mm -hmm. This is like alien territory. I'm used to painting things, you know, that is part of my backyard more or less. So I I said, okay, what am I going to do? And I just started driving around. And then I started seeing lots of cool infrastructure, lots of cool urban scenes. And surprise, surprise, a lot of graffiti. Mm. You can see in the Bronx, why it was the birthplace of what I call contemporary graffiti. Graffiti has been around with us since the cavemen. Mm-hmm. You know, those murals, that was graffiti. They've that been was writing or- a wolf forever. Exactly. Yeah. And I remember being in, uh, I think it was Guatemala, with my husband, we were looking at some ancient ruins, and we had a guide, and the guy goes, oh, come over here, come over here, look at this graffiti. It was scratched in the wall like centuries ago. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people have always wanted to make their mark on the wall or whatever. And what I have found um, as graffiti became more a part of my urban scene because it's so prevalent in the Bronx is that people really want their impermanent mark to be part of the permanent record. Everybody wants to be heard. Even if they're anonymous, they still want to be heard. So I've had guys come up to me and say, if I put my tag on the wall, will you include it? And I say, as long as you don't cover up anybody else, I'm not getting into any 
wow. term. She 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 knows the 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 the, the rules. I know. I'm the impressed. Rules. <laughs> I know wow. the rules. So I say, awesome. as long as you don't cover up anybody else's thing, and no, sure sir. enough. I, they do it, and I add it, right. and everybody's happy. Right. <laughs> so it's it's a win-win, you know, yeah. because eventually people's uh, murals and tags and everything do get covered up. Mm-hmm. It's the nature of, you but know. But that's why I say you, you're doing a service because uh, you're including it in your, your work. So it's like they'll live on forever. They are. You know? They are. They're so part of the permanent awesome. record. But it's just like the other tanks. Uh, time capsules, the industrial tanks, the uh, things we discard in the salvage yard, the appliances, the gym equipment. Mm-hmm. You want to know how much gym equipment winds up in the dump? Yeah, yeah. Probably a lot, <laughs> quite a lot. Uh, quite a bit. Yeah. So anyway, it, it's sort of just, a, you know, a, a continuation. Right. Also, in my early industrial paintings, I always liked lettering. When I was in art school, I took a class in lettering. (laughs) Bernard Bresky would be proud of me. I took a a lettering class, and I hated it at first because it was so technical, Mm -hmm. and I had to focus, and I just wasn't that focused, to be perfectly honest. And then I'm like, something just, the switch clicked in my head. Mm -hmm. The first time, I hated it. The second time I did a homework assignment for the class, I loved it. And after that, I'm like, oh, lettering's actually kind of cool. And then when I started painting my urban uh, and my industrial scenes, like I, one of my early ones had a big Hess oil sign in it. Right. So I'm like, I started really enjoying the lettering. So I see the graffiti in my work is an extension of the industrial and uh, commercial signage that I've always found interesting. And a lot of my work now will have both. Like Nick's Blue Diner here, mm-hmm. one that I brought. This is awesome, by the way. Thank you. That is, um, this has a story too. They all have a story. Wow. So back in the beginning of the pandemic, uh, before we even really realized the world was about to shut down, mm-hmm. in February of 2020, we were right on the cusp. Right. And I did a very small 8 by 10 painting of Nick's Blue Diner. It had recently closed, and there was only one tag on the building. Mm-hmm. But within, you know, a month or two. Oh, they tagged that shit up. The, yeah, and the world had shut down. Yeah. And the graffiti writers were having their field day. You know. I remember. You remember. <laughs> Things that had no graffiti whatsoever were now covered just yeah. a few months in. Yeah, was... So what I did, this one I just did at the end of 2022, the fall, this one that I brought you here. Yeah. I was like, before and after. I got to capture that mm. with, you know, completely, you know, tricked out. And um, and also, I just like the way the signage is starting mm-hmm. to fall down. It's definitely another time capsule. Right. And what was interesting about painting at this site is people loved Nick. He was a beloved local figure. He, he ran this diner for over 50 years. Apparently, he also bought a lot of... Um, real estate in the area. So when we, he was ready to retire, he he was uh, in good shape. Mm-hmm. And it turns out he thought his son would take over the diner, 
what I heard on the street. Remember, this is street history. Right. <laughs> people street on the street. Talk. Street talk. Yeah. So people would come over and say, hey, um, do you, did you know Nick? He was the greatest guy. He'd give, you know, free cups of coffee. He'd give food to the homeless. You could just hang out. He was such a nice guy. And then they thought... Uh, Nick supposedly thought his son would take over the diner. His son took it over for a little while, but then closed it down. And probably he didn't have the passion for it that his father had, mm -hmm. you know. So anyway, Nick was a beloved figure. This diner, people would come up to me constantly and tell me stories about having lunch and breakfast and everything else there. And now it's a piece of history. And within... um. I can see the writing on the wall, <laughs> pun right. intended, right. but I can see the writing on the wall. They are going to knock this down soon, wow. which is why another that reason sucks. I went back. Yeah. And I am thinking uh, of going back in the spring, if it's still standing in another month or two, and doing a larger version Wow! just to have it. It's a little quirky corner. I'm kind of right. I try to squeeze in between the lamppost and the, the cutout for yeah. the people <laughs> yeah. and try not to be in the way. So I can't do anything really big because truth be told, I love painting large. And the large paintings take me two to three months to do wow. on location. So how about something? How long did that take you? About a like month. This one, that's, not, that's not bad. No, though. this one's 12 by 16. It took me about a month to do. Now, bad. what I can do in that time period, because the light changes, I am working with natural light. I work on one painting in the morning and a second painting in the afternoon. So the light changes completely after about two right. and a half, three hours. Uh -huh. But I do, when I start a painting, I block in my shadows early on. I decide where things are going to be. And I stick with that. This way I'm not chasing the light so much as I'm committing to the light that was my original vision mm -hmm. and sticking with that. And right. if you nail down your lights and shadows, even if you don't have the details, if you just nail down the lights and shadows in the beginning, especially in something complex like the uh, train trestles that I'm part of my uh the things I do, it's one of my regular things. I yeah. love a good train trust, all crusty and rusty and just the whole bit. See, and then... there, there goes Danny-isms again. That's <laughs> Dan, Danny loves stuff rough and rugged and, and old, like, looking like it's about to fall apart. That's his oh, thing. we have so much in common. What, what, how's he called it? Weathered. Weathered. Weathered, yes, yeah. Yes, crusty and rusty. That's his calling card. And I love rust. You don't know this, but I am the self-proclaimed queen of rust, according to the New York Times. Oh, wow. <laughs> I was quoted. Bang, bang. <laughs> the, the rust queen herself is here. You have me, baby. Yeah. So I, I have always liked things that had... A story to mm -hmm, tell. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't want to paint a brand new high rise. Right. Who needs that? Mm -hmm. You know, take a photo and be done. I want something that has more of a story that's been lived, that's been weathered, that people haven't experienced, and that means something to someone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and even if they walk by every day and didn't want to take a second glance, when I throw it up on a canvas and show the beauty of it, they're like, whoa, oh, well, maybe uh, maybe my hood's kind of cool after mm -hmm. all. <laughs> yeah, you're right, you're right. But um, let me ask you a question, um, because... I've asked Danny this. Well, I know the the answer to Danny's question, but um, did you did your art thrive during COVID? Because I know with Danny, he start that's when he really started like to go. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like, that's interesting. Yeah. How did how did your 
um, experience well, my with that. COVID experience was was different. I already had um, a lot going on. Right, right, I'm right. older than Danny, right? right so right. I, I've had a lot of uh, exhibitions. I, right. I've, I've got a 35 year plus career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> so yeah. I've been lucky. Where's yeah. that wood? I've been lucky. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, um, go. I've had a good career. But what was interesting during the pandemic, mm-hmm. there were places that I had wanted to paint that I had had my eye on for years. Mm-hmm. But it was too much traffic, no place to park. While the world shut down, not only were the graffiti writers having a field day, I got to paint in places I could not mm-hmm. have at other times. So that was really cool. Like there's this one place in the Bronx. Uh, it's an iconic sign that says available available on it, but it says welcome to the Bronx. It's it's right over after you go off to, uh, what bridge is that? I think it's the JFK bridge or something. And it's on the left and you see this welcome to the Bronx sign. And I've always loved that sign. It's weathered and it says available. It's been available for almost 20 years since I moved to this part Mm -hmm. of the universe. And I wanted to paint the whole street scene. And there's there's like warehouses and it's colorful and there's a little bridge at the end of the street. And I just never could do it. And finally, I'm like, okay, I'm going back to that site. And there was like no graffiti on this this these uh, warehouses mm-hmm. there and all of a sudden it is covered and there is no traffic and there is plenty of parking nice. and i fit, that one took me about 6 weeks over it was a, a longer period of time it was uh i think it was 12 by 36 i think it was a long narrow piece and just as i was finishing it the workers started coming back to the the warehouses and coming back to work. So I really got lucky there. <laughs> no, that's yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, it it did give you access to a lot of places that you know otherwise you couldn't get access to, and that's even over even over here. You know, you mm-hmm. could just go anywhere. I mean, I don't know where the cops. This is like the cops took took a vacation and didn't come come back for eight months. And you know that's just fine. Because, yeah, it was great. You know, it was great. I wasn't complaining. Who um, needs to be busted over something? You know, that's really, in my opinion, makes the world a little more interesting, a little more cover, colorful, right? And is not, you know, most of the places that people tag, at least what I see in in the places that I hang out. It's underpasses. It's overpass. It's not anything that anybody gives a you know a flying whatever about. Right. But I think the graffiti adds a pop of color, a bit of fun, and is worthy of praise. And let's face it, now everybody can wants to see graffiti in galleries, not just on the street. Yeah, it changed. It changed now. It changed now. It changed. It's it's it's, it's definitely mainstream. Yeah, beyond the streets, you know that yeah. uh, thing just opened in London, at Saatchi Gallery. Wow. Could you become any more establishment than that? Mm-hmm. Probably not. <laughs> Listen, I knew it was crazy when, uh, you know, Sotheby's mm-hmm. was selling graffiti. I mean, Danny was in Sotheby's last year. We're gonna be in Sotheby's this year. I mean, I don't, I don't think I should say the date. I mean. I'd have the date, but <laughs> I and don't want. You wanna... know for sure you can. No, no, I have to have the date. I just don't want to. I just, you know, I got to talk to them first. But uh, I'll tell you off camera. Okay. But okay. um, yeah, it, when I saw Sotheby's doing stuff like that, and doing like, and they like they doing hip hop now. They are doing like the mm-hmm. the streetwear clothes. So like you said, it's like it's opened up. 
It's open. You know, and when you guys not now you you know you great artists have social media, and y'all can just flood it with your stuff. And I mean, y'all your stuff goes everywhere. I totally agree about social media. Somebody asked me how my practice had changed, mm -hmm. um, and one thing is consistent. I just want to keep painting because I absolutely love. It is my happy place, being out in the world, learning from the people I meet and greet and from the world around me. I don't think there's anything better in the whole universe, at least not for me. Mm -hmm. the, what, the one thing that has changed is social media. So I am allowed to let a lot more people see my work than ever would have before. Right. And this has helped a lot of artists, myself included. Mm -hmm. Instagram, which I am on, is probably the best uh, promotional tool yeah. I have ever had. It's better than my website. Right. A lot more people see me, my get, stuff. They probably on, get more traffic on the Instagram. Yeah, it's great. And I've gotten, I got a solo museum show because a curator saw my work, posted a picture on Instagram, and I simply thanked her. And she said, here, here's my email. Write me. And then she put me in a group show. Then she returned my sketchbooks. It was a small group show. Yeah. And then she came and I, I, I was like, wow, she could have just mailed them back. Well, she came to see if I had the goods. By the time she left, she had offered me a show nice. at the Susquehanna Art Museum in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. Nice. I never would have got that solo show right. if it hadn't been for Instagram. Mm -hmm. You know, she might have eventually reached out to me. But look, think of how many artists this woman must see. Mm -hmm. But because I took the time to thank her and to follow up, you know, that's the thing with social media. A lot of people don't realize, just follow up. If somebody's kind enough to say, hey, and promote you, thank them. Mm -hmm. It's not rocket science. Mm -hmm. And I have sold work because of Instagram. I've gotten a gallery. I've been a gallery out in Portland, Oregon, Talon Gallery. They found me on Instagram, and they put me in a pop-up show in Brooklyn. And, uh, oh, and well, and I've also become friends with a uh, woman who uh, does a lot of uh, feminist art. She's also a curator. Mm -hmm. uh, she used to live in Amsterdam. She now lives in New York City. Nice. I'm going to be in a show that she's curating at a gallery in Amsterdam. Look at that. And that opens on March 8th till the 25th. March 8th is International Woman's Day. There you go. So she's doing this great show, and she's going to take some of my billboard paintings. Uh, you've seen some of them yeah, over yeah, at so, ba yeah, so, Basin and, Gallery. And, Basin, oh, yeah. and so she said, I want uh, a one, uh, well, I actually did two of this, but one that she's taking, uh, there was a billboard. It had a little bit of graffiti, but it was mostly a blank billboard. And then somebody put a banner over it that said abortionfunds.org. And this is to help women. We're about to be screwed if they need what is should be considered health care. Oh, yeah, I hate, I hate oh, that. Oh, don't even get me going. I hate that. You know, and what I really have a problem is the people who are pro-birth, but they ain't pro-child. They're, they're, they may be pro-birth, but they're not pro-life because once the kid is born, they don't give a darn about it. Mm -hmm. And they don't understand how often women need abortion not because they got pregnant by accident but because the fetus isn't viable all kinds of reasons and nobody should be telling a woman what to do with her body yeah, and see and that's and Valerie, that's that's my whole thing i tell people this all the time anybody a man whatever whatever mm -hmm. whoever should not have control over a woman's body they should and not, vice versa is it they should not be able to be like you can't do this Right. That's your that's your temple. That's your 
Exactly. Doing? And why, the same should, thing for men. Yeah, why should I be like, you can't do this? It's your it's your fucking body. For it's God's your sake. fucking body too. Yeah. And let me tell you, if a man needed an abortion, they'd be legal. Yeah. <laughs> and we could get into that. Yeah. But anyway, my friend Echo is curating the show mm-hmm. and she's putting stuff with, you know, have to do with feminism and social justice. And I'm very honored to be in that. And then I'm also curating a show for a new gallery. It's online, but they're they're going to start doing pop-ups in the fall and beyond called Leaky Street Gallery. And I'm working with a wonderful guy named Mark Craig, who founded this gallery. And I'm curating a, it'll be online. It's called Her City. And it's 17 women artists who work with either street art or urban art. Mm -hmm. And we've got some really great women in this lineup, including Lady Pink. Oh. Yeah, Lady Pink. She's a big deal. I have a a t-shirt with her on it from Supreme. One of the original, you know, queens. I got to get her on the show. You really do. And she's a... I I have a link. She's she's going to be in the show. I'm curious. Well, Mark uh, uh, knows her too. Yeah. And then um, Jeanette Beckman, oh, who okay. is famous photographer. Right. She photographed the hip hop early stages, punk rockers. She's originally from London, and she's going to be in the show too. And and just a bunch of other amazing women. And that will open online on March 20th and be up the whole month of April. Mm-hmm. And that's at Leaky Street uh, Gallery dot. I think it's dot com. Dot com. Yeah, I think so. Okay, yeah. I can uh, double check that. But yeah. Mark Craig is the guy who started and founded it. And he reached out to me because a friend knew my work and that I did a lot of street art. And I was in his inaugural online show, which was uh, 25 uh, artists from the UK and 25 artists from uh United States, all of which, or was it 50-50, excuse me, 50-50, 50 artists from the United States and 50 artists from the UK. And that was his inaugural show. Amazing. And now he's doing some more online shows, but in the fall, uh, September, October, I'll be going over to London and I will take part in a pop-up show. I'll have some of my small paintings. Oh, nice. Going to bring some of my small paintings. Might even take Use my hand at doing a little bit of tagging myself. Oh, here we because go. Because here we go. Bang, bang. I have a tag. Yeah. Did you know I have a tag? No. My tag is Ruby87. And I've had my tag for a couple of decades. I never used it on walls, only in my paintings. Right. As a matter of fact, it's in, I think, every one of the paintings I brought here today. It's kind of like, where's Waldo? Where's Ruby 8-7? I'm looking for it right You're going to find it. It's right behind your head, too, in the bigger one. You see Ruby 8-7 there? Oh, the I got it. Yep. Bong, bong. Yep. We got it. So what I did was there were times where uh, there would be a street scene and I'd need to pop a color or something. So I just made up my own tag, Ruby87. Ruby was my um, shepherd mix, a wonderful dog who I rescued. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and she went over the Rainbow Bridge a long time ago. 87 is where we lived in New Jersey, the house I rented when I adopted her. And so Ruby87 was my first tag. Fast forward um, about six years ago, I was painting in this um, abandoned uh, golf center. It's in the North Bronx. It's across from Co-op City. It's all at nine minutes from where I live. It's great. And it is a world apart. It's basically an urban uh, 
wildlife sanctuary. There are all kinds of wildlife. There's all kinds of stuff. And there were also some homeless people living there. And I got to know some of them. And I, I tried to help some of them out. Mm-hmm. And one uh, was having a rough time. She even had a job. Don't even get me going about corporate America and how they screw people. She had a job, but they wouldn't give her full-time hours because they didn't want to give her a free meal mm-hmm. or benefits. Wow. And they never knew she was homeless. She never let them know. But she said, I, I, yeah, I got a pit bull. I got two cats. You know, can you help me out? And can you take all my animals so I can get out of here? I said, I'll help you find a place to rent with the cats. Mm. I'll foster the dog. But I kept the dog. Oh, you kept the dog. I kept the dog. And I love that dog. Anyway, her name is Tula. Nice. And Tula is sometimes in my, that's my other tag, too. I sneak that in sometimes, too. But Ruby87 is my official tag. And I only did it on a wall once. A friend of mine who I met while I was out painting, and he's a wonderful share. He's a wonderful graffiti artist. He uh, he saw me out there, got to know me. And then one day he said, I can show you some places in Westchester that you don't know about in your own town. Mm-hmm. And he showed me some great places, an abandoned cement factory. I did several paintings there. And then he showed up with a, a whole box of spray paint. And he said, you should try this. You'd be good at it. Well, I did it once. It was a thrill. I can see why people love doing it, but I'm not very good at it. But, you know, it's like any craft, you know, you got to really practice. Mm. You know, how do you get to Carnegie Hall? Practice, practice, practice. So anyway, um, I did do that one tag, and I, I may do a little practicing on a big Uh-oh. canvas I have. See, it be, could happen. She's going to be in England getting crazy, Josh. <laughs> well, part of the exhibition is uh, they have a whole building where they're going to have the walls just tagged and murals, and all of these street artists are going to be part nice, of it. Nice, nice. Yeah, it's going to be cool. So that's... So is that all your new stuff coming soon? Uh, I Well, we have the show I curated, the show that I'll be you, in you in the just, pop app. You basically segue. We was going to talk about the women's stuff. You segued right into it, which yeah. is amazing. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I give you a lot of credit. You just went right, ooh, you went right you into know, it. I've been teaching painting for 31 years. Yeah. Before that, I waitressed. I sort of just can talk about anything. I just yeah. take you just the went, ball yo, and You run. took the ball and you ran and you went a thousand yards, girl. It's also painting on location. You know, I talk to everybody. You know, I talk from rich to poor, from prince to pauper. I find everybody has an interesting story and I want to know it. And I consider myself actually a visual um, historian or documentarian, a visual storyteller, really. And I think of my paintings as telling the story about contemporary urban life. Mm -hmm. And that's why I love that they take me as long as they do, because I really get to experience place. I've met all kinds of great people. Like this one place I was painting uh, last year under the um, high bridge in the Bronx, Mm -hmm. wonderful old stone bridge. And most people do the walkway above. Well, there's an even cooler place under the bridge. Uh, Another like urban wildlife sanctuary and there were all kinds of urban wildlife little lizards all kinds of stuff happening but then i would see on the weekends this father and son the son was you know an adult Mm -hmm. and they'd bring their mini barbecue and they'd you know bring something to drink and they'd have a little barbecue out there and they'd bring their folding chairs and this is how they bonded on the weekend it was so nice anyway so that's kind of what makes life interesting for 
Meg. And also, be- be- before we, you know, wind down, you do you do uh, teach um, adults. Yes, I teach adults how to paint. I've been doing that for 31 years. Yeah. I teach in New Jersey on Mondays. I still make the trek back to my old right. uh, town, the Visual Arts Center in Summit, New Jersey. Yeah. I think it's called the Visual Arts Center of New Jersey is the official name. And I love that place. Uh, they've got a wonderful gallery. They show really high-end exhibitions. Yeah. And then they also have a great school. And part of my education was going to the Art Students League in the National Academy in Design, uh, both in Manhattan, both in New York City. And it was a wonderful learning experience. You've got professional artists teaching you what they know. You're with a bunch of adults. And, you know, it's just a great learning environment. And so this is um, kind of New Jersey's version of the Art Students League. It's smaller, but it's still an They've got quite a few classrooms, actually, and they're all taught by professional working artists. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of a, a different model than when you go to art school. I mean, those people are professional artists, too, but not all of them. Some of them are right. just uh, they they are professional teachers. Right. But when you work, go to a place like the Art Students League or the Visual Arts Center of New Jersey and Summit, you're learning from professional artists. They may not have degrees. I don't have a degree. I got an art certificate. I went to the least expensive art school I could find, Ducrae School of the Arts. But I got a wonderful education. I had to take out some student loans, but nothing I couldn't pay back over time. Mm -hmm. So I didn't get into horrible debt and then have to worry, oh, my God, I better get a full-time job so I can pay off all this debt. Because I never incurred all that debt, I just focused on learning how to be the best painter I could. I eventually was able to pay off that loan working part-time and also selling artwork. Mm-hmm. I've always had a bit of a hybrid um, life where I have some kind of a part-time job, but I try to paint as much right. as possible. Yeah. So teaching for the last 30 years has, has yeah, filled that, that niche. That, that's good. Like, you know what I'm saying? You got different sources of income. It's always good because if one shut down, you got the other one. And then when they both come, shit, you fucking rich. <laughs> Well, you, you know, it's, <laughs> ching, ching, ching. it's sort of like that, believe it or not. It's yeah. kind of feast or famine. And yeah. having, and I also ran a college art gallery for 14 years yeah. in New Jersey. I was the director. I was the curator. I was the one-woman band there. Yeah, we were trying to get that out of you. <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I did that too. So I have always had part-time jobs uh, because, like you say, you never know when you're going to sell your next painting. Mm-hmm. It could be next week. It could be next year. Right. When there have been, um, like during the pandemic, I didn't sell anything in the beginning of the pandemic. Right. Everything sort of shut down. Same thing during the Great Recession. I didn't sell a painting for over a year. If I was just living off my income from artwork, I would have been screwed. Mm-hmm. But luckily, I, I've always had other teaching. I've taught workshops. Like I said, I ran this college art gallery. So I've always worn multiple hats. And they all sort of enrich each other. They're all basically art-related. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, but 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 before we uh, you know, segue to the end of this, um, do you do you ever think about doing merch? No. You don't like doing merch? I just never have. It's just not um, it's just not one of those things I've ever done. This would make an awesome shirt. Well, here's the thing, though. Uh, good, true, true disclosure. I rarely make G clay prints, and I rarely because what if. If I were to reproduce somebody else's graffiti on a T-shirt or a tote bag, Mm. they might not like that. Mm. You know what I'm saying? You can use 
tr- uh, not that these tags are trademarked, but let me just get into that for one there. second because this might be interesting to yeah, your yeah. audience. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And I've I'm good friends with Crash John Matos, John yeah. Crash Matos. Yeah. And at one point, I asked him about this very. There was something going on in my life, and I was curious. I'm like, I know for a fact that cartoons are uh, trademarked. Right. And I asked John, I said, you have this cartoon and uh, character. I think it was Dick Tracy or something in one of your murals. I said, how come you can use that if that's trademarked? And he said, one time use, one offs that fair, fair usage. There's a, a more technical term, but it's fair usage under the law. So he can use anything just like I can go out in the street and paint a McDonald's sign and McDonald's can't sue me for copyright infringement. Mm-hmm. Well, while most of the graffiti in my paintings is not copyrighted or trademarked uh and like i said i use my own tags which are not copyrighted or trademarked but i'm not making reproductions i'm not putting them on sheets or towels or tote bags or t-shirts so i am totally within the trademark or copyright law okay if i were to make merch with somebody else's tag on it that could be a gray area and i don't want to I don't want to go there. Mm-hmm. Having said that, I paint plenty of things that don't have graffiti. This is sort of one aspect of the urban world, mm-hmm. but I've painted so many urban bridges and train trestles and urban waterscapes. And even to this day, I still like a good crusty industrial site. Right. So you can, but you can do that though. <laughs> yeah, I could do that. Yeah. But you know, anyway, mostly I just sell my paintings. And once in a while, I've done um, some. G. Clay's mostly as a gift to somebody. Yeah. Like I uh, did one with Cher and we became friends and I, I made a, a G. Clay out of it because he did this really great cartoon of me out painting. It was yeah. terrific. He gave it to me. Yeah. So I wanted to give him something. So I had a G. Clay made with his tag in it of this painting I did and I gave it to him and I only made a few of these. But then it came, I was having uh, the museum show at the Susquehanna Art Museum and I wanted to have a museum catalog and they, most small museums don't have a lot of funds. So what I did is I had a few more of these uh, G clays. I had made one for share. And so I had a few more and they were signed and numbered and they were, you know, archival and the whole Mm -hmm. bit. So anybody who donated $500 to my catalog, which was a tax write off, they gave it to the museum, um, got a G clay print. So it was a win-win, right. you know, so mostly I, I've done that. And I did do one other G clay print because once again, this guy asked me, it was of the houseboats. Do you know there are houseboats on Westchester Creek in the Bronx? No. A very cool site. Josh, do you know that? Josh, Josh actually, he's in the Bronx. So. All right. Well, I did that painting mm. and then it was in a solo show in 2016. I had a solo show at the Bronx Museum. I would uh 40 paintings and one was this of the uh, houseboats on Westchester Creek and uh, this guy Pierre he saw the show and then he contacted me said my father owned that marina I would love I said the paintings he saw it was sold it's in a private collection he goes could you make a print of that so I give it to my father for his birthday and I did. So I made a few extra because if you're going to make one, you should make a few extra because it doesn't financially make sense. So I made one from him. He bought it. And then I made a few extra. And those I've sold, but there's no graffiti in those. They're just the houseboats. And I got to meet this really cool guy, Pierre. And then as I was painting just uh, last spring, mm-hmm. it, uh, the University Heights Bridge, I love a good bridge over the Harlem River, mm-hmm. uh, 
this guy's going down the water and he waves at me. And then he texts me. He says, hey, Valerie, it's Pierre. Is that you? Mm-hmm. I said, who else? Anyway, a really sweet guy. Yeah, awesome. And he's a he's a filmmaker. Uh, uh, oh, God, I'm going to butcher the name of his uh, movie. But he made a movie about that place. Listen, I butcher names all the time. Yeah. Uh, I think it's called Brittany Bristol is the name of the movie. And it's about this woman who lives on a houseboat there on Westchester Creek. Nice. And I haven't seen the movie yet, but I can't wait to. And, you know, he's an independent filmmaker and a really cool guy. I never would have met him otherwise. So anyway, this is what keeps me constantly like painting on site, doing what I do. I never get bored. I'm always, I wake up happy to, if I, it's a good day out, I'm like, oh my God, I get to paint outside. I'm like a kid with, on Christmas most days. Mm-hmm. Nice. So it, it's, it's wonderful. And I've met so many great people over the years. Yeah. Like you met me and Danny. And yeah, exactly. And that. Liz and Jamie. And that was because of the pop-up show. Yeah. That Jim did. Mm-hmm. And then Shout I, out to Jim. Studio, we love Jim. Studio 111 Brooklyn. Love you, Jim. Yeah. Anyway, he I think he found me on Instagram. Wow. Another thing that never would have happened without social That's media. That's why I first met you, too. Yep. And so Danny and I are in this pop-up show together. We love each other's work. We get along. Yeah, he's been looking at your work for a long time. Yeah. He's been like a, like a fan of yours for a long time. Because so, he's told me before I met you, oh. he was showing stuff. Cool. I was like, damn, that's, that's pretty dope. Well, I have to admit, unfortunately, I did not know about him until Jim's pop-up. And then yeah. I'm like, where have you been all my life? These are fabulous. Yeah, Danny came from like out of the closet and just started just going crazy. And then now he's like a, you know. He's a rock star. Yeah, he's a rock star. He just has to stay, like I always say, he's got to stay consistent. Yep. No, no, he'll, he'll get what he wants. And, you know, that's really true. Um, besides teaching painting, I teach adults. I give a lot of, um, I guess I kind of mentor some of my better students. Shout out to Laura. Who's Shout in out the, to Laura. Who's yeah. in the current show at Basin Gallery she in Red Hook. First, she sold her first painting at Basin uh, yep. Gallery. Congratulations. Two sold two. I oh, sold two. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was there for one. I she didn't sold see two. And uh, Great. she is one of my star students. She is so talented. And, you know, she came to see my show. I was in a three-person show at Basin Gallery. And um, she started talking to to Liz. And I said, oh, my God, you've got to see Laura's work. And I just show her something on Instagram. And Liz is like, oh, my God, I need another person to show with Danny. And she's like, you're in. And that was it. It was nice. great. And Laura great had choice. the time of her life. Great choice. And you could see how talented she yeah, is. Yeah, great choice. She's really wonderful. And she's very nice. Oh, she's a lovely human. Very nice. Her family came in from Tennessee. Yeah. She lives in New Jersey. That's why she could take oh, my okay. classes in Summit. Okay. But her family's in Tennessee. They came out for it. Uh, her college friends came out for it. It was a big deal. And... I just uh, shout out to Liz and Jamie who run Basin Gallery. Yep, shout out Basin Gallery. They just opened last June and they are already a, becoming a destination place. Mm-hmm. And they love the kind of art that you and I like oh, urban yeah. art, yeah. street art. And they know how to throw a goddamn great party. Oh my God. Do they throw the best party? I was on- so drunk, bro. <laughs> I was so drunk at the end of the night. And they spin tunes, and they always have food. 
food. Yeah. And they're just lovely. Both of them are lovely. And they're long-term <laughs> friends, Jamie yeah. and Liz. And isn't that a wonderful thing, We got to get Josh over there. Yeah. Josh, you got to check out this. And what a great... And they took a, a storefront and turned it into that beautiful space. That's yeah, amazing. They did a great job for two women who have never run a gallery before. Oh, they, they, they're doing amazing stuff. They're doing amazing stuff. So I guess the wrap-up here, or the takeaway here, yeah. uh, for Danny and for my wonderful student, Laura, and even for what I've learned and for Liz and Jamie, is, yeah, believe in yourself. Follow your dream. If you love something, just do it. Don't let anybody deter you because if you stay focused and you keep doing the best you can, eventually you're going to get somewhere because that's what happened for me. And like I told you, I went to the cheapest art school I could find. I didn't come from money. I came from crazy people. I'll leave that for another time. <laughs> I did not I have- I came from crazy. I'm talking, that's where I came from. I'm talking in and out of mental hospitals crazy. <laughs> so I had a rough childhood, but- Art was my happy place, and all of a sudden it was time to go to college. I'm like, what the hell am I going to do here? I went and I to community college, took some art classes, and said, oh, I'm really meant to do this, and then found the cheapest art school I could find, and the rest is history. 35-plus yeah. years of having a career painting urban and industrial That's landscapes. That's amazing. Yep. And on that note, <laughs> we're going to end this show. Um where can they find you, Valerie? Well, the best place is my name, Valerie Larco. No E at the end of Valerie. Yeah. Valerie Larco, L-A-R-K-O, at um, Instagram. It's just my name. And then my website is myname.org, mm. uh, excuse me, .com, ValerieLarco.com. And then I'm also on Facebook. I'm starting to mess around a little bit yeah, with you TikTok. Should. Yeah, you should. <laughs> but you should. mostly it'll, it'll Instagram. Help. Instagram is where I post all my work in progress, all my new work, and, um, you know, and uh, keep, if you follow me, you'll find out when my shows are, yeah. I guess that's the best thing yeah. to do. I also do send out a newsletter occasionally, so if somebody really liked my work and wanted to keep up on everything new, you can email me, and I'll add you to my nice. email list for my newsletter. You get that email blast peoples yep not that often though i don't believe in spamming people mm -hmm. only when i got something important to do nice. <laughs> <and> say <laughs> so you can find me on instagram you can find the podcast on instagram uh pull up around the order super p podcast we're on youtube we're on facebook we're on uh we're everywhere we on every podcast provider if you pay five dollars like i always tell people you can get this episode today all right after josh sends it to me if not you're gonna get it uh not this week, but next week. Because I think Hugh Tech, I have an interview with somebody else. He comes on before you, and then you're going to... Cool. So you got, like, two weeks. Um, yeah. Hey, Josh, can you can you pass me my broken phone for a second? I got to give a couple shout-outs before I end this thing. I have to. All right. My, my, my friends from Fashion Week, I got to... Yeah, my phone is broke. Yeah, that's my phone. First of all, I'm, I'm, I'm going to show you guys on camera how messed up my... How fucked up my phone is now. So, you know, so you see, Josh, this is tape. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is tape. When I picked it up, I was like, that's looking Yeah, look at the back of the phone. <laughs> you see the back, right? Yeah. You can see through this. This came off. Now, the camera doesn't even work. It's a piece of tape <laughs> that's holding the camera together. This part came off. It dropped last night, and this part came off totally. So I'm just showing you, this is what I'm dealing with. 
This, is, this, phone, this is what I'm dealing with. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? This is crazy. And 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 you would think on and and you can't silence it if you just notice. I need to go to where you're going. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. But uh yeah, I want to say sh- shout out to um Victoria. That's my friend from Fashion Week, Sakura. Awesome, awesome, awesome girl. Um and then let me tell you a really quick story, and then we're going to end the show. So at Fashion Week, it was some girl from Kentucky that I don't know her name. She, I thought she was cool. Mm-hmm. She even drunk out of my champagne glass. Woo-woo! Thought she was super hella cool. Bro, you know they did the whole whole the whole Instagram. Like, let's, let's exchange Instagram. So it was like me, it was uh, Victoria, Sakura, and... Uh, some other, I think it was some other, it was some other guy. I gotta get the, I'll get the other guy's name. But yeah, long story short, so they doing the old exchange things. I give her the phone. I guess my phone was so jacked up. She followed everybody but me. <laughs> that's the that's the fashion week shallow shallow stuff. I got it. You know, this is what they just. She realized what a big deal you are, sweetheart. It's fine. It's fine. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> I just thought it was funny. This is this one. This is about like when you go to fashion week. You get this this shallow people, like, they're so cool, and they want to know what you do, and then all of a sudden, you know, they drink out of your champagne glass, and then they don't follow you. And they diss you. Yeah. It was crazy. I was like, she followed everybody else. I don't know. Maybe maybe I just look funny. Who knows? That's crazy. I had on all red, so. <laughs> go, you should go figure. Memorable. Oh, and and and, um, and guys, watch um, Wu-Tang, an American, uh, I think an American tale. On Hulu, on episode one and three, my shirt, my my clothes make an appearance. I did a uh, product placement for them. They use my clothes for the show. Cool. So yeah, episode one, my hat is in there, and episode three, my Kuji sweater is in there. You know, I posted it online because you know you gotta you gotta promote yourself. So uh, yeah, you know, check that out. You know, that's on there. I have a uh, um, interview from Voyage LA that's up. You can you can get the link. Uh, where did I put the link on Twitter? On my Twitter, Polo Polo Pirate, or Polo Pirate. I don't know. I be forgetting everything. I'm getting old. But uh, yeah, Valerie, thank you for coming. And thank you so much. It was such an honor to you know? share my story and yeah, really was, enjoy uh, was, having some more time to get to know you better. Yeah. So yeah. So we'll we'll definitely do Danny. We've we've had Danny on twice. We'll get him on again. Yeah. I just gotta drag him over here. I think Danny and I should do a podcast. Together. I think you too. I think y'all need to do a co-show. You know what I'm saying? And actually do a piece together. I think that'd be amazing. That would be great. And oh, shout out to Douglas, my my homeboy Douglas. I didn't forget about you from Fashion Week. You know, shout out to Spaglo. I saw him in Fashion Week. I see a lot of people. Lucky Church. Nice to see you. Saw him at the last show I went to. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap this up. I'm, I'm babbling. I will see you guys later. Be safe. Ciao, Soupy Podcast. We're out of here.